Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Berry, along with my very good friend, His Eminence, Cardinal Richard <laughs> Heilman. Self-identifying Cardinal. Self-identified as Cardinal. Yes. And tonight we go with his father, Father Donald Calloway is with us again. You can hear the crowd cheering. It's awesome. Have him back. He's pulled up from the bullpen, ready to go. Before we get started, of course, talking about some very serious things, we want to begin everything with prayer. And Father Heilman, we leave that to sure. you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Father. And we want to thank everybody out there who supports the U.S. Grace Force podcast. It means the world to us. In fact, we can't thank you enough for your prayers, your considerations, your thoughts, and your encouragement. We get a lot of encouragement when we're out and about. In fact, I just got done speaking at a couple of parishes in Minnesota and at both places, people coming up talking about their their, their love for what the U.S. Grace Force podcast is trying to do. So we really appreciate that very much. So keep us in your prayers. And for those of you who support us through the Patreon program, we thank you for that. You can click the link in the description below if you'd like to help us out. A few dollars goes a long way, as I like to say, getting this message out. And we know we need to get it out. And social media is a powerful way of doing it, at least through this uh, type of platform that we have here. So like, share, get this word out. Let's do what we can, especially a message like tonight. Of course, Father Donald Calloway is with us. Father, great to have you back again. It's been quite a while. And Thanks, guys. Good to be I'm with not, you guys. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, didn't you have a beard last time you were on with us? I think I did, yeah. It was, um, I don't know. Back. Yeah, it was. It was a while. I think yeah. I just didn't have as many social commitments because of the whole crazy world situation. So I just went all in, grew a big old beard. It probably was like almost out of the screen. It was so long. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. Before we get started, I know we've got a couple of books we want to talk about, and we're going to tie in one of those books in particular to the subject tonight. But um, share with us what you've got. You've got a couple of great books out there that we want to encourage people to consider getting. Yeah. So um, thanks, guys, for having me, because, you know, I, I actually bailed out of all social media like four months ago. Yeah. I, um, you know, I'm very vocal and I'm not polished. I'm not like a, a Bishop Schneider who's so articulate and calm. I get upset and I tell people off. So I, I really said, you know, I, I better bail out of social media before I, I got to live on a beach somewhere or, you know, so um, thanks for, for having me on that way. I can still plug some of my books because oh, yeah. um, people aren't aware of what I'm doing now as much. So, so the one that came out a couple months ago is um, a comic book. Actually, I never thought that I'd be doing a comic book. <laughs> it's on St. Joseph, but no mm -hmm. surprise to people who know me. Um, the chased heart of St. Joseph. So, it's a perfect stocking stuffer. Everybody get this. Yes. Yeah. You got to have a big stocking though. It's, it's a big yeah. book. Well, um, yeah. But it's it's awesome. uh, you know, it's a graphic novel. So you got all this artwork in it, which is nice. absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great. Great. It is a great Christmas gift. And then the one that's brand new, it's so new that um, we don't have it yet. It arrives next week. Um, and people can order it already. It arrives and it'll ship out um, the first week of December is this one, the 30 day Eucharistic revival. You know, we're at this time in this time of Eucharistic revival. And the book is based upon the writings of a saint named St. Peter Julian Imard, uh, a French saint whose writings about the Eucharist were off the charts. So uh, this is a hard, hard hitting book. I cover some serious topics in it. And again, you know, it's um it's going to rattle some people, but I'm cool with that. You know, everybody knows I'm not afraid to, you know, shake things up and uh, speak the truth. So it's it's going to be good stuff. Thank nice. you for doing that. Nice. Yeah. Thank you for getting those out and encourage everybody. The link in the description below to get these books will be available. Uh, I'm thinking about getting a there. bulk order for uh, I bet you have a bulk order price for like parishes, too. So I think yep. I'm going to do that uh, for sure. But uh oh i meant for sure i'm going to get it for myself but but i'm really thinking about doing that because we were talking before the show and you were kind of filling us in and, and i hope you do uh here tonight but um this sounds awesome and yeah. here we are in the midst of the eucharistic revival okay and frankly i wish i heard more revivaly stuff mm -hmm. out there i mean you know the people are advocating you know at ad eucharistic adoration which i think is 
is central to a Eucharistic revival. So that's awesome. But um, but I I'm I'm of the school of thought, and I think you guys are too. That uh, uh, and that's where we were kind of was going with uh, Our Lady of Akita. Is is uh, and let me tell this quick story, and, and people who listen to us office will have heard this, but I'll just do it real quick. I entered my Catholic high school in nine in uh, and in that first year I was there, uh, religious imagery everywhere. We had mass at least once a week. Uh, the resource center was filled with all kinds of theological texts and everything. The nuns in full habits. The priest was there all the time. And then in one year, and I, I have people I went to school with that, that uh, back me up on this. Uh, the religious imagery is gone. The nuns' habits shrunk. Uh, so did the number of people in their order. Uh, the priest was MIA. We had mass once a semester, and uh, and it got and it got that kind of folksy kind of mass. And that happened in one year. That year was 1973. And that's why I'm I'm connecting a lot of dots right now. 1973. The other thing that happened in 1973 was Roe v. Wade. And the other thing that happened in 1973 was that the uh, American Psychological Association uh, determined that that uh, homosexuality was no longer a disorder. So it, it was just like 1973, uh, things changed. And it seemed like you know, and that's where we get to the message of Our Lady of Akita. Um, and here I'll pull up the one line I want, I want to focus on, right? But the work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that they will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops uh, against bishops. And the priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres. To me, I interpret that as they're canceled. And I, we look a lot of the priests and now Bishop Strickland who are canceled. And one of the things that you can see about each one of those is they're very devout. And it seems like that's a threat nowadays. Uh, because why? Because one of the things that uh, that is common among these priests is they want to insert more reverence, more sacred in the Holy Eucharist. And it seems like there's this, this battle, cardinal against cardinal, bishop against bishop, against this and it seems like it's been going on really since 1973 you know the council got over was over in what 65 but by the time it took a little a few years for them to kind of take control and they did and uh so i don't know i'm gonna stop there but father um i don't know i our lady of Akita, 1973 then uh, add one more thing it just popped in my head is we had just had the 50th anniversary and we recently had Father Chris, uh, who's your uh, in your order with you, your, your friend, good friends with them, Father Chris Aylar. And he did a, a conference in San Francisco on Mary and the Eucharist. And then uh, the, uh, at, at the conclusion of it, um, they were seeing the image of Mary, and it looked a lot like the image behind you right now, Father, um, mm -hmm. the image of Mary uh, in the monstrance uh of the Holy right. Eucharist. And uh and that was on the 50th and it was on October 13th, the 50th anniversary of Our Lady Akita. So it just seems like and, and again, one last thing, a cardinal against cardinal. The uh we were talking before the show, we were remarking about the there are five cardinals now that have new dubia mm -hmm. uh that is really challenging some of the things they seem to want to, you know, insert into the church right now. Um that, that goes against uh, what church has taught for so long. So I don't know, Father, you know, it just seems like we're, we're in a Eucharistic revival, and it, it just seems like we've got to overcome this movement that mm -hmm. wants to um, not only uh, dismiss reverence, but attack it, right. as we see so much of these. So, Father, you know, and I know you, you were talking about uh, – uh, Father Peter uh, uh, Amart, that mm -hmm. that he is that right? Is Father Peter Julian Amart? Yeah, right? Saint Peter yeah. Julian Amart. Yeah, Saint Peter mm -hmm. Julian Amart. That he right. was really that was one of his focuses, wasn't it? That the, the reverence. It was. It yeah. really was. Yeah, during his lifetime, you know, he lived in the 19th century in France, and his whole mission became one of spreading love and adoration for the Blessed Sacrament. Because, as he says in his own writings, there was a crisis in Eucharistic belief during his time. 
Um, and so Sounds he made familiar. it a huge part of his mission to um, to rectify that. And so we're reaping the fruit of that still from the books that he wrote, the sermons, homilies that he gave. But, you know, it's interesting, those connections you were making, Father, with uh, Our Lady of Akita, because I was only born in 1972, so I was just one year old when that happened. But, you know, it's she, she, Our Lady talked about, you know, the, the work of the devil even entering into the church. And, and that was 1973, as you said. Well, in 1972, the Pope said that the smoke of Satan yes. had entered the church. So Our Lady was basically just re-echoing what the Pope himself yeah. had said the previous year. And now we're seeing it everywhere. I mean, churches are being, you know, burned. I mean, it's almost on a weekly basis now that I hear about some church in France or somewhere in Europe that's being desecrated, images broken, tabernacles broken into. Um, even here in the States, you know, we have this this whole woke culture that wants to um, spray paint statues and just destroy everything and tear it down. Tear down the statues. And, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and so right now, you know, with the bishops against bishops, cardinals against cardinals, priests against priests, the ones who are devout and pious and want to be reverent in the liturgy are the ones who are taking the beating. Right. And... And then, you know, tying it into the Eucharistic Revival. Here we are in a Eucharistic Revival, which is great. I applaud the effort. It's wonderful. But I have to say, you know, I'm I'm kind of an itinerant preacher. I'm on the road every week in different parishes across the country. The majority of people that I talk to in your average parish, they've never even heard of the Eucharistic Revival. Right. They don't even they don't know what it is. Um, so I'm like, really? And you know, you have to almost be in the know you have to be like in the club of being a devout catholic to even know that it's going on but for your average person they're not hearing about it in homilies in your average parish they're not they don't know um so that's one reason why i put the book out but man i just i wish we could do so much more for the eucharistic revival because it seems like it's a great effort but um yeah, I got a lot of ideas on that. <laughs> well, and, and Father, I mean, I, you're, I like your thoughts on this. The fact that we're in a position where we have to call for a Eucharistic revival, you revive yeah. something. I mean, I think revival, I think you revive something that might be on like life support. You know, it's going under, it's it's dying. There's something wrong. Otherwise, why revive it? Um, yeah. Something has drifted amiss in order for us to think we need to revive that. Um, would we have to have a Eucharistic revival if what Our Lady said in Akita wasn't, was not in fact going to happen. I mean, she said there would be this breakdown within the clergy, even this battleground within the clergy. And we've reached this point where we see it everywhere. We've, we've lost, uh, in many ways, we've even lost sense of the sacred space of the church. You know, how often after mass, people just start talking, leaning on the pews, their backs are turned to the tabernacle. Um, there may be people on their knees praying, the prayers of Thanksgiving after mass and still people are talking all around. Now I, unfortunately I know I've done that before and I've tried to be much more sensitive to that in recent years, but this is something that has not been reinforced even as consistently that the space even where the Eucharist is brought into our presence, the altar, the church, even the sacred space is not given a certain elevation, if you will, in conversation so that we start thinking differently. So is it true then, in your opinion, Father Calloway, that we're in a position where we would not have to revive this if what Our Lady said in Nikita was not, in fact, happening? Yeah, oh, 100%. Um, and it is a sad state of affairs when we have to do this. So I applaud the effort, but it's, it's, it's really sad that it has to be done. But it does need to be done. I mean, what was it, five years ago that survey was taken that only 69, yeah. or 69% of Catholics August 5th, 2019. Yeah. So it's like, wow. I mean, that is a huge statement. And everything that you were saying there, Doug, is so true. Like, and I I, I hammer these issues in the book. Um, how do we bring about a true Eucharistic revival? You know, I'm all about having conferences and events, and that's great. But I think one thing, it's a no-brainer, is just put the tabernacle back in the sanctuary, preferably right in the middle. You don't need a strategic planning program or, you know, endless conferences. Um all a bishop has to do in his diocese is write a letter and say, look, this is going to upset a lot of people. I know it's going to be a financial burden. I'll help raise it. You know, we'll, we'll do a, a, a begging campaign or something. But next week, Sunday, huge statement. 
all tabernacles go back in the sanctuary. Mm, Bam, nice. you got yeah. instant revival, man. I mean, that's yeah. lasting effects too, or other things like teach people how to receive communion reverently, teach people mm. to be silent before and after the mass. Uh, you know, simple things like that can have a massive impact um, that, you know, for the for future generations. And I don't, I don't, actually hear a lot of those kind of conversations and talks being given right. about um the centrality of the eucharist i hear some great things happening i do but tabernacle back in the sanctuary receive holy communion with reverence uh and stop talking i mean it <laughs> these are fundamental things man and i just don't hear those kind of talks yeah we just start with that yeah would be, would be you a know huge improvement uh, the Moda Proprio by uh, Pope Benedict XVI, which I always found that date interesting, July 7th, 2007, so 777. Um, but anyways, it was right about that time that I started uh, getting men together for adoration. And it wasn't a long time because, okay, a lot of them weren't used to that. So, you know, maybe they squirm a little, but it was maybe like the 35, 40 minutes of adoration with a with a, a great inspiring talk to help them to understand they need to be the Saint Joseph's of our time, uh, but it wasn't it was it was adoration in a dimly lit church and then uh, I had a friend who got me these floor standing candelabras and so we had candles all over the place mm -hmm. and you'd walk into this church and you'd see men kneeling and you'd see the the Holy Eucharist. Uh, they're on the altar with these candles around. And and why am I saying it like that? Because it does matter. We're mere mortals, okay? Mm -hmm. We need help to get our hearts that are hard to soften up and to really understand who that is in the Holy Eucharist. Father, you pointed out it was the Pew Research study on uh, August 5th, 2019, that I think it's 31% are left that yeah. believe that that's Jesus, uh, body, blood, soul, and divinity. 69% believe it's a cracker, okay? Right. That's where we're at right now. And so uh, it was right at that time in 2007 that I decided, let's do this, because you you saw a movement. Uh, Pope Enoch was kind of leading it, and it, God bless our own uh, Bishop Morlino at the time, too. He just loved this because he he understood it, too. Um, and Cardinal Burke is behind it as well. In fact, I asked Cardinal Burke if he wanted to be the spiritual head of what we now call the Holy League. Uh, that's what this these evenings are. Um, but it's 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 like the Holy League. It's it's getting us back united and filled with the passion, the love, the awe, the uh, the the majesty of God, uh, so that now. If you get to that place, and that's fear of the Lord, if you get to that place, now mm. your heart's broke open and you receive all the power of the Holy Spirit. And now you, with that power, you can make a difference in the world. And you go out like the original Holy League did uh, to stand against evil and to and to build this uh, world in a better place. Anyway, but, but all of that was my way of saying is uh, we need to... And I got an email from uh, Cardinal Burke. It was one of his his um, uh, main emails that he sends out to everybody. But uh, but I, I was struck by the line at the top. It said, reclaim the sacred. Reclaim the sacred. That, it, it, there it is right there. Reclaim the sacred. If we're going to have a Eucharistic revival, and I, I don't know, Father, maybe you can explain to me, why is there opposition to that? I mean, is it that they think the Protestants will think it's too much or, you know, we'll lose people because it's too much or I don't know. Can, can I get your opinion? Well, why, why is there opposition to reverence yeah. of the sacred? Well, I think maybe it goes back to what Our Lady of Akita said and to what uh, St. Paul VI said is that that smoke, that work of Satan would infiltrate and yes. it's the church. And I think we're seeing that today and the emphasis is being placed upon you know, climate change or, you know, ecology or, you know, all these kind of issues that it's like, where's the priority? Where's the true emphasis? I mean, you know, these things are not the source of summit of our faith. Um, and when you allow them to usurp the priorities, um, when you have a priest or a bishop who starts talking about the deposit of faith, 
he's basically told to shut up, you know, because you're right. not you're not the border welcoming people from this country, you know, or in that country. Why are you not supporting this and endless talking sessions? Um, so they're 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 told to be quiet. That that definitely is is not good. And and I think again it goes back to our lady because she's gonna bring about the revival. I mean, I've been telling people now for 20 years, I've been a priest 20 years, and uh, they'll say to me, Father, why do you hammer that issue of the tabernacle placement so much? And I say, Well, look, our lady is the model of the church. She's she's the first, you know, living tabernacle. And where was the placement of the presence in her body? Front and center, man. Right. right. He was Jesus was not off to the side in her body. He was in her womb, front and center. Right. And that that should be the model for every Catholic church. Again, it goes back to the pattern of Our Lady. And she adored him, which you alluded to, Father, there. I mean, adoration is a huge part of this. And yet you literally will have certain bishops who don't seem to really be into Eucharistic adoration or, you know, you can't do a procession in my city or you have, you have to cover up, you know, the monstrance. It's like, what? Um I mean, I just, I, to me, there's a disconnect there. And then the other thing that's important that's part of this conversation is I think a Eucharistic revival, something that goes hand in hand with that is a revival of confession. Right. Because, you know, people got to be aware of what sin is, man. I mean, we've got bishops today, and I take no delight in saying this whatsoever, who give Holy Communion to a, to, to a Muslim in Brazil. What is it, a month ago? We have, you know, masses today, funeral masses, where Holy Communion is given, and and for two homosexuals who died, God rest their souls, and then a, 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 a you know, rainbow flag is draped over the casket, and then the bishop defends it. This just happened, you know, two weeks ago in Mexico. What is going on, man? Um, our priorities are off, way off. Uh, so we got to get back. And without Our Lady, it's just not going to happen. And Our Lady would want us to know uh, that Jesus is central. We have to confess our sins. We, we need to know right from wrong. And we've got to adore our Lord. Um, without that, we're not really going to experience a true Eucharistic revival. I mean, yeah, Father, going back to Akita a little bit, um, I like your thoughts on this, the fact that the statue in Akita, which is the statue of Our Lady of All Nations, which is a prior church-approved apparition from Amsterdam in the late 40s, early 50s to a woman named Ida Perdeman. But this statue now, it's about a three to four foot tall wooden statue in the convent in Akita, begins to weep and it weeps and perspires. And there's a stigmata in one of the hands, the shape of a cross that, that bleeds. And at the same time, Sister Agnes receives a stigmata in the other hand. Uh, and also for the, about the same length of time that, this, that the statue uh, carried that stigmata. The perspiration, they said, smelled like perfume, like roses. It was beautiful. But all the fluids, the, the tears, the perspiration, and the blood were all tested by independent medical facilities at least, I think, three times, if I'm not mistaken, under the, the request of uh, Bishop Ito. They were not told where they came from, and they were all found to be human. But the tears in particular, I want to I ask you about. At the same time, 1973, as Father Heilman mentioned, all these things are unfolding, especially in America, with regards to, you know, um, homosexuality considered now not a disorder and abortions wide open and, and all this sort of stuff. Now we've got um, also a statue of our Blessed Mother weeping. And statues are still weeping miraculously around the world. In fact, another one just reported it's under investigation in Mexico just recently within the last week. I think one in New Mexico also has been allegedly weeping for quite some time. Why would Our Lady be weeping at a time she's telling us about the, the diabolical activity rising to the highest ranks of the church and, and her son's priests opposing one another over issues that are central to our faith, such as blessing so-called same-sex marriages, as that's been thrown out there now, what the German bishops are doing, what Father James Martin has been preaching as he travels around. And this is not to name call. He's been doing it openly and publicly. It's very well documented. All of this, and then, of course, you two priests have been under under the gun at times, and we know many of the priests, as you do, uh, that have been canceled and set apart for having devotion. All of this going on, and Our Lady's statue is weeping. Can you address that miraculous point? Because I really get concerned about 
even us Catholics who might be in tune with some of this stuff thinking, oh, another weeping statue. Oh, anyway, what's on TV now? And we can start becoming almost desensitized to this very miraculous and, and awe-striking thing that statues are weeping. Many of them have been verified to be true, that they're authentic. They're not, they're not, a, they're not a scam. What do you think ultimately we need to be thinking about that Our Lady statues are shedding tears? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, heaven is saying, look, I'm trying to get your attention. Um, pay attention. This is something that's not ordinary. This is extraordinary. And your mother is crying. You're offending her. You're you're hurting her. And nobody want, wants to see their mother cry. You know, if a child sees their mother with tears, they want to smother her with kisses. They want to console her. They want to be yeah. close to her. And, you know, it kind of harkens back to our lady of la salette right where an approved apparition where she cried and the reason basically was she said that people are using the name of the lord in vain this was in la salette um and they're working on sundays inordinately and in, in ways that they should not be and you know that upset her that that did not please her and now oh my goodness think about today what's happening with the lifestyles that are that are are taking place in the world and sadly even in the church and all of this division all of this infighting our mother is trying to tell us and the holy trinity is allowing this to happen um you know sons and daughters pay attention your mother is in tears here um don't you want to console her don't you want to correct your behavior so that she's not crying um that's a it's a wake-up call and so yeah some people would make light of it um, but when it's approved, when the church is investigated, we need to pay attention and we need to do our part to Mother Mary. We're sorry. I'm sorry for my own sins. Anything I've done to offend you, sweet Mother Mary, in your immaculate heart. And let me make reparation to you and to our Lord um, for the things that are taking place. It just yeah. seems like we're living in a time where, um, and I don't know, I look at the in history, but at least the last couple hundred years for sure, um, that God has been giving us as a wonderful gift, Our Lady, uh, uh, the Blessed Mother, and uh, and what a what an amazing gift that is. I mean, it's a tender mother that that uh, that is not as threatening, right, as a as a powerful dad. You know, that uh, uh, I, I now I'm thinking when we were growing up, Mom would always say, "Will your father gets home." <laughs> you know, so, yeah and you'd be like gulp you know but i love my dad but but uh he knew how to crack the whip you know but anyways uh in a good way but uh but you see it, it what a wonderful gift we've been and she's our advocate she's a mediatrix of all graces so she's a co-redemptrix uh um and, and uh what and i always love that image too that um that you know when we give when we offer a petition she puts it on that golden platter and dresses it up and then goes and 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 pleads to her son with our petition on that platter. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just a beautiful image to try to understand what's really going on here. And if you love my mom, you know, um, I love you too. Uh, all of that together. What a, what a beautiful gift, but especially in our times. And Our Lady is, is it seems like she's like, come here. And at the same time, she's like, Hold on, son. <laughs> you know, uh, we we got work to do. We, we, we have patience. <laughs> you know, and uh, and and what is she doing too? It, the beauty of the rosary. The rosary is just an amazing thing. I always say it's like a a baby cooing, right? Mom, 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 mom. Our you know, hail Mary, full of grace, hail Mary, full of grace. Uh, but you're just in the mother's arms. She's tenderly holding you. Um, she's making it all better. She's bringing peace when you feel like everything was falling apart. She's see what an amazing gift we've been given with her. And here we are in these times, and she's pleading with us to come to her, but but come to her through the greatest gift ever given, the Holy Eucharist. You know that 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 gift of of Jesus' own body, blood, soul, and divinity. And, and come to that uh, through the Holy Eucharist. Can you uh, help us understand, uh, Father um, uh, Peter Julian Amard, that, uh, what was some of his his thoughts about, you know, how we can open ourselves up to that power of the Eucharist uh, through some of his teachings? 
Right. Yeah, he is so amazing. And yet he's not that well known, um, I have to say. I remember when I was in seminary, um, one of the seminarians gave me a, a little book uh, of his, like a little series of books. And the one that I read was about Our Lady. And those were really St. Peter Julian Mard's two great loves was Our Lady and the Blessed Sacrament. And, um, you know, he was just a simple guy. And yet what he did in France and now worldwide, I mean, he founded several religious communities. He's been called the Apostle of the Eucharist by several popes. Um, and I think like it's really a model for priests, especially uh, in these in these times to go to Our Lady and to go to the Eucharist to, you know, help shore things up, to, to help repair the damage, because you, you really can't do one without the other. I mean, Our Lady made the Eucharist in her holy womb. And, you know, when you're close to the Eucharist, you, you want to be close to Our Lady. Our Lord wants you to love his mother. And so in his writings, he talks about how to you know, be silent in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, both at Mass and then outside of Mass and in adoration. He talks about simple things like um, making the Eucharist the, the center of your life so that even when you're not in church, a devout Catholic in love with the Eucharist will always know, like an interior compass, where the nearest tabernacle is. You may not have pinpoint accuracy with longitude and latitude, but he says, you will intrinsically know so that you can genuflect in that direction. And though there may be miles separating your room from the nearest church and tabernacle, you instinctively know as a Catholic where your Jesus is. He talks about that. And so many other things that, that he unpacks um, about, you know, showing reverence in the presence of our Lord with the way that you dress, um, you know, and making all those analogies that we've heard. If a king came into the room, you'd stand up and you'd, you'd be dressed, you know, nicely that being true, how much more for our Lord and Savior and the Blessed Sacrament? When you go to church, be modest, be chaste, uh, conduct yourself appropriately. He talks about things like giving a proper genuflection. I mean, how pertinent is that today? I mean, so often I have to say as a priest, I see people come in, they genuflect. I don't even know what they're doing. I'm not sure they know what they're doing. It's it's like a a, a curtsy or something. You know, I'm like, what? And then they don't even know where they're genuflecting. They're genuflecting like to a wall. It's just so random. They routine they they've lost because the tabernacle is not in the sanctuary and all these kind of things so he unpacks a lot of these type of issues and this was in 19th century france so just like the writings of fulton sheen right they're timeless and so i'm trying to bring back and make more people aware of of this great saint in this book because i wrote it but at the same time it's based off of his saint peter julian Mard's wisdom on the Blessed Sacrament. And I'm really hoping that um, it really helps helps us in this Eucharistic revival. Father, I'm curious your thoughts on the other pieces of Akita and the other message. You know, a friend of mine put out quite a while ago a post and he said, look, everything in Akita that has been prophesied has happened except one thing. Ooh. And yeah, that's the big kicker is, is this natural consequence of a chastisement, which she clearly warned about on October 13th, 1973, that fire would fall from the sky, the great multitude of the world would be annihilated, the good would die with the evil, even priests would die, it would be so, so bad, worse than the great deluge, that those who were living would envy the dead. And then at the end of it, she says, the cause of my great sadness is the loss of so many souls. Can you... Just give your thoughts on that, because that, that's a hard one for people to process. I think it ties in very much with our our treatment of the Eucharist, um, of our rejection of this truth. And this, as Father Heilman, you always like to talk about the importance of a supernatural revival, that we need to have this revival of understanding and appreciating the supernatural aspect and reality of God. And we've kind of walked away from that in many ways. And, and face it, a lot of it has been because of just poor catechesis, but also a lot of hearts have decided not to invest in this truth. I mean, right. I would say this as an example, you know, anybody married longer than a week knows that you don't want your marriage to be a procedural or rules and regulation marriage where you're just doing what you need to do based on what your vows were. And so you're kind of checking boxes and so forth. You want to know that you can sit across the room from your spouse, your loved one, the one that you gave your life to at the altar 
when you when you were married and know that there's a heart to heart connection and the investment of the heart requires time requires effort it requires a precise i want to know more about you and i want to get to understand how i can love you better and so forth and so forth but that connection anybody on a natural level knows they want that all right in a marriage or in in, a, in any kind of family scenario parent to child and so forth um, Father, can you address the fact that we just seem to have lost touch with so much of these things and this key thing, this key part, I should say, of that fire falling from the sky part of the message? That's a pretty serious warning. What do you think? It is a very serious warning. I remember the first time that I read that, I was like, oh, boy, um, I need to kind of, you know, check myself and make sure that I'm I'm where I need to be. Um, cause that's our mother, right? She's telling us, she's, she's warning us. She doesn't want this to happen, but you know, if, if we continue in, in leading the lives that are irreverent towards our Lord, um, and the source and summit of our faith, then this is a reality. And, and I think also correct me if I'm wrong, but is it in the same apparition where she says that unless you repent, you'll only be left with two things, I think. And that's, the rosary and the sign left by my son. Was that Akita? I think that yeah, was Akita. Yes, it was. She does. Yes, yeah, it was. She says that, yeah. Right. And, you know, and I, the amazing thing to me, I'm sure your viewers know this because I know that Father has talked about it before. You know, Sister Sasagawa is still living. Right. And she just a couple years ago talked about a penitential rosary yeah. that heaven was asking us October to pray. October 6, 2019. There you go. Right. Yep. So, the message remains, and yeah, so it was cover cover yourself in ashes and pray a rosary of repentance. That's right, that's right. And so the, then it's like, have we done it? Um, I don't know. I, I see pockets who have for sure, and you know, as I say, I travel a lot, and I see a lot of people who are responding to the, the message of Fatima to Our Lady of Akita, and they're 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 really entering in as individuals and as families, and that's awesome. That is so wonderful when you see that. But a lot of times you don't, and you 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 still see the 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 lack of belief, or sadly, and and this is this is difficult for me to say. You know, as a priest, sometimes I'll see people who do profess a belief in in the Eucharist. So praise God, they have that belief, and that's wonderful. And yet they don't believe many other things that the Catholic Church teaches. For example, they continue to believe in homosexual marriage or contraception or even abortion. And yet they do believe that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. And I'm like, ay, ay, ay. And so you have people who are receiving communion, many of them big names, and they're not being corrected even by the leadership of the church. Many oftentimes they're being encouraged or defended mm -hmm. in these aberrant you know, practices. So we're in a real pickle right now because I have to ask myself, um, are we really Praying that penitential rosary, are we really doing what we need to be doing as a, as, as a people? Um, I see pockets of it, but um, sometimes I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, is the fire coming today? Because mm. uh, how long is our Lord and his goodness and his mercy and his love going to allow this to continue? Um, it's a serious warning. Our Lady has, has, has given it and we need to heed it. Father, what do you think we can do? And wait, I'm going to put it this way, because you and I are priests. What do you think? What can the laity do right now? I, I mean, I think they should get your book. I'm going to get it because that's going to deepen kind of our our understanding of the Eucharist and 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 also get, put us in that place of contemplation where we can really open ourselves up to what God wants to us to hear about what we can do, uh, all that. But uh what do you, what do you, uh, what do you, what can we do right now? Because it just seems, you know, um, let me get this line again, because I got it right here. The work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that you see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops. But it just feels like that right now, that evil has infiltrated. It's taken charge almost. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I know a lot of our, our, our listeners out there uh, are feeling that right way right now. Uh how can we, like they did in the Battle of Oponto, how can we, you know, here, the, here comes the Ottoman Turks and they're going to deal the last blow. What can we do right now to stand right. against that? Well, I think, you know, part of that that story of the Battle of Lepanto is that um, the um, 
men went to confession. There were there were priests on all of those ships. And in that, you know, militia, they were encouraged to go to confession before battle. So I would say to everybody, look, you know, there is a lot of evil that's crept into the church, but don't let the evil creep into you. You know, you oftentimes can't control what this bishop is doing or what this group of people in this country is doing, but you can control what you're doing. So stop sinning. And if you have sinned uh, and, you know, fallen out of grace, go to confession as soon as possible. Um, don't let the devil have a grip on you because then you're a fallen soldier. You're not going to be able to hold your part of the battlefield, right? We've all got a place on that battlefield. And though sometimes you may think, well, mine's not that significant. No, it actually is significant. You know, one weak link in that line and the enemy can continue to get through. So do your part where you are. Be in a state of grace. Be living a devout sacramental life, a pious prayer life. And when you make mistakes, go to confession. I mean, that's that's the best that we can do, right? I mean, I I can't correct things going on at the Vatican. I don't know these people. Um, I pray for them, but I'm just trying to do the best that I can to tend to the mission that the Lord has given to me. And that helps me from not getting discouraged or, you know, just looking at things so negatively because we can do that, right? When all this stuff is thrown in our face on a daily basis, almost every morning I wake up and there's new news from the Vatican. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let me focus here. I, I can't control them dudes. So I'm just going to be doing my thing right here. Maintain peace. Lord, I love you. Help me stay focused. Yeah. You know, Father, that's something, you know, it, you know, people come up and I'm sure you probably have maybe have gotten this too over the years. You talk about Fatima, you talk about what our lady said about consecrating Russia to her immaculate heart or, or Russia will spare the air of her ways. And then people come up to, and they'll say to me regularly, well, do you think the Pope did this? Do you think the Pope did it right? Was, mm -hmm. was Russia truly properly consecrated? And my response started to just become, you know, I don't know. That's really outside my my security clearance. I don't know, but I do know that I have not done everything she's asked me to do, which is I was asked as are you to pray the rosary every day. And I haven't done that. But like you were saying, that's what I'm responsible for that I can do. Now I can sign petitions and I can, you know, send emails to the Vatican. I don't think it's going to reach anybody, but my prayers to our, to our blessed mother for her intercession and to our Lord adoration and so forth. Those things are heard. Um, so I, I, I like what you said there, because I, I feel the same way about that. I want to read something and, and, you know, get your thought on this Thessalonians five. This was, um, just at the time we recorded this last Sunday's reading, um, for, and just a, just a piece here about, but of the times and moments, brethren, you need not that we should write to you. Okay. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night for when they shall say peace and security, then shall sudden destruction come upon them as the pains upon uh, a woman who is with child, you shall not escape, she shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness that that, that day should overtake you as a thief. And that part about not being in the darkness, you know, we talk about um, the reality that this, this other message about fire falling from the sky, the reality of God finally stepping in as the Rwandan genocide was an example of that, which was prophesied 12 years before it happened in 1982 by our Blessed Mother to those children, uh, again, approved by the church. And then 1994, this genocide breaks out and three months, nearly a million people are slaughtered and many, many more million brutally injured and on every level. Our Lady does not lie. And when she says these things can happen, they can happen. Now, some are conditional in the sense of if man does not repent and so forth and such. But as you pointed out, it looks like things aren't going so well for us. But for those who are striving to be children of the light, so as not to be overtaken, what is the simplest bullet point way you could put there? Because Father Holloman and I were talking about this on the phone earlier today about keeping it simple, bullet points. We've already addressed some of these, but if you were to give a recipe to people right now, what are the simple bullet point things that we can do and that we parents can teach our kids. And in my case, I've got grandkids now. What can we be teaching our children, especially when we know some of our audience knows that your pastor, your bishop might not be on board with this stuff, but mm. that doesn't negate our responsibility as husbands, fathers, you ladies, as mothers and wives, what could, should we be doing simple bullet points to keep it simple to the point so that we are children of the light. So we're not overtaken 
And if and when, if in our lifetime, this, this fire does fall, we may be caught up in the disaster of it, but we will not be overtaken in our hearts and our souls if we're prepared. Can you give those bullet points for us? Yeah, I mean, I would say it's it's pretty easy, really, is just be faithful to the Eucharist, be faithful to confession, and be faithful to the rosary. I mean, I would think most things outside of that are going to be a footnote. Maybe don't pay too much attention to what the leadership is doing right now, because it's going to bum you out. Just focus on what you can do and what's feasible for you. And everybody can do that. You don't need to be articulate. You don't even need to be literate. You don't, you can do the three things that I just mentioned individually and as a family. Um, and that's going to keep you grounded. That's going to be your anchor. And, you know, it doesn't matter what culture or who you are, you can do this. And I mean, there's other ancillary things, obviously. Read the lives of the saints, uh, you know, have other devotional things. Yeah, of course. But if you want to talk about absolute fundamental, faithfulness to the Eucharist, faithfulness to confession, and faithfulness to the rosary. Because, you know, uh, our Lord, our Lady, the Eucharist, I mean, you're not going to go wrong. And so whatever it is that's out there, what darkness is creeping in, the smoke of Satan has got in, the work of the devil is in. Okay, it's there. But you know what? I'm a child of the light. I know Jesus Christ. I know Our Lady. She's my mother. And so I'm not going to freak out. And I mean, we're all going to die someday and all this is going to dissolve and melt away. So if it happens soon, okay, Lord, help my heart to be ready. This body, if it melts away in some fire from the heavens, so be it. I love you and I want you. And real quick, real quick follow up. I, I find it interesting. And I've, I, you run into this, too, I'm sure, where people every now and then will come up and they'll say, well, but we don't have to pray the rosary. I mean, it's not part of the deposit of faith. We're not bound to it. Well, no, we're not. But when the mother of God comes to the world in approved apparitions, especially um, when they're accompanied with amazing miracles, like, I don't know, a spinning of the sun in the sky and weeping statues. And she says at these moments, pray the rosary. She doesn't say, hey, you know, if you feel like it, if you're not distracted, she says, just do this. It's a beautiful invitation from her, but she makes it pretty clear that this is a very, very important piece of trying to to affect positively what's going on in our world right now. I mean, what do you say to those people who kind of set the rosary as a, well, I mean, granted, yeah, it's not necessary in the the guise of what, you know, dying the state of uh, sanctifying grace and so forth, but how powerful it is, and that the Blessed Mother herself would make this a key part of the plan to, as she said in Fatima, avert war and bring peace to the world. What are your thoughts yep. to the people who who question or struggle with praying the rosary? Well, I mean, I would simply say, okay, technically, you're right, technically. So if you're not going to do that, then show me the what you are doing that is comparable to it, because we're told to pray at all times. We're told to, Mm. you know, that our Lord's mysteries are sacred and saving. So show me. And nobody ever has. Nobody's ever said, oh, well, I do this. No, you don't. Um, And that's like way less because the rosary is basic. What the Psalms were for the Old Testament is what the rosary is to the New Testament. It's that um, praying of the word of God that can be done at any time, anywhere, and it sanctifies your day. To pray the rosary is to make a daily pilgrimage in your mind and your heart to mm. Bethlehem, to Calvary, to Cana, to all these sacred saving mysteries. And so, you know, it's something that is a gift from heaven, and it is the most persistent theme that Our Lady has said to us in her approved apparitions, pray the rosary. Um, I don't know how much more, you know, clear that it could be, And so those who don't pray the rosary, usually they're saying that because it's a cop-out. They don't want to make the commitment that requires sacrifice um, on a daily basis to enter into um, a conversion. Usually they're attached to some particular sin that they don't want to give up because the rosary will convert you. The sacred saving mysteries of Jesus Christ, praying the word of God, always bears fruit. It never returns void, Isaiah the prophet says. So it's because they don't want to change their life. And um, so I, I, I'll i never stop telling people, just like the saints, pray the rosary. You got to pray the rosary. Yeah, Father, uh, uh, first of all, amen, amen, amen. Everything you mm-hmm. just said, yeah. it dug you too. Um, but yeah, confession, 
Holy Eucharist and the Rosary. And and I was listening to you guys too, and and I, I would word it this way because it's I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. But it, it, Our Lady, in her love, gave us something simple and concrete that that we can do because otherwise we're trying to figure it out. How can mm-hmm. I love you, my lady? Mm-hmm. How can I can I do I go over and pick a flower and then do I bring it over to the what do I do? You know, it's same. And then it never seems complete because no, she just says pray the rosary. <laughs> And she can say that to what a seven-year-old, and yeah. they get it. And so, mission accomplished, and it's a love act. And here we are. And so, it's just it's an act of love, I think, with, with the rosary. And like I said too, it's just a beautiful way. It's a mantra, isn't it? Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. It's beautiful, uh, like a child cooing to her, to his his mother. Um, and and so, but you're right. Uh, I was talking with you about this, uh, Doug, earlier, and I just said, I think that we try to make this whole thing difficult hmm. because it gives us a pass. Oh, hmm. you know, I'll get there someday. You know, it's, you know, getting into the divine life and getting close to God is a kind of a lifelong process. You know, you just see the tone of my voice. Hmm. So it, 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 we're able then, and here's the way I've been putting it lately, is we're able to manage God. I'm doing this. We're keeping God at an arm's length, a manageable distance. Okay. We're not, in other words, all in. Okay. Because, you know, I got to get a PhD in theology first, and I've got to learn about all the saints, and I've got to climb Mount Everest in order to get there. So so <laughs> I'm giving myself a pass. And or, I'm or. telling, and I've been preaching about the, almost word for word what you just said, Father Calloway, about these three simple things, but it's yeah. simple. You yeah. Go to confession, you know, just get get it all cleaned up, get that fresh start. God's mercy, it's amazing. Then receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist, and then love his mom, and, and here's the concrete, simple way to do it, pray the rosary. That's yeah. it, and you're in now. But what what about parish council doing meetings? doing stuff with you, because he can trust you. What? Parish council meetings. We have to have committees formed, and then have <laughs> reports, and then subcommittees, and yeah. then we'll take three months and then we'll decide yeah okay maybe yeah. we should move the tabernacle yeah. to the center of the church and we should <laughs> emphasize more reverent reception and communion and let's have more confessions available well let's have a committee to discuss whether or not we should have more confessions of I, I, you're I right about that yeah yeah keep it simple yeah, I, I have to say i i'm so glad that i you know have never been in a parish um my temperament just wouldn't work in that sense <laughs> I mean, I if I was assigned to a parish and the tabernacle wasn't in the sanctuary, I'd move it that night. I'm not consulting anybody. And if, if I get no. a phone call, you know, from the higher ups, <laughs> hello, yeah. you know, what? let's talk about it. But it ain't moving. You know, you can come in here and move yeah. it back, but I ain't moving it. And if you got to remove me, take me out before you take him out. All right. Oh, man, would you be canceled right away? But you're you're kind of you're kind of like the guys have been canceled, where they're just like, no, this is what our Lord wants, and yeah. I'm not going to compromise with the world, right? And, and it's awesome, Father. You know, uh, I have to say this before I forget too that uh, God love him, Bishop Morlino, and he called me a spiritual son. We had a really close relationship, but he mandated that every church in our diocese put the tabernacle in the middle of the church, yeah. and awesome. that was one of the many things that, that he did. It's yeah. just a holy, holy man. But uh, oh. but you're right. Get that tabernacle in the middle. Offer adoration more. Be yeah. uh, extravagant in how you offer the sacrament of confession. I at my last parish, I had the twenty four seven confessional, but we're doing something now where we've got the four priests in Janesville, and we're offering a half hour of confession before every single mass, daytime, uh, 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 Sunday, every single mass. Nice. You have a half hour of a confession beforehand. So yeah. it's it, so we're trying to. Uh, and you can see the lines are starting to grow a little bit more mm. and more and more. And you love the ones that come in. Bless you, Father, for It's been four years since my last confession. Mm. Yeah. Call it the big fish. But Can I, but can it's I, just, can I yeah. jump in one more thing? I'd like yeah. if, both of you, because Father Heilman, you did this in your last parish. And yeah. Father Calloway, I like your thoughts on this too. We talk about the, the key bullet points, which are, are awesome. And then the ancillary or peripheral things also, Father Calloway, you mentioned. And I think one key one, especially at the Mass, is reverent music. And Father Heilman, you did this at your last parish. You, that was one of the first things you changed was the music, I think. Um, Father Calloway, your thoughts on the importance of having, because th- th- things like reverent music, because the senses God created us with, and they do affect things. I, again, anybody married longer than a week knows 
romance has its place when you're courting someone, proper, holy, appropriate romance. And even in marriage, there should be this, this development of the senses so that you can have a wonderful, peaceful date with your wife or your husband and so forth. How important are the senses and things such as reverent music when it comes to growing in devotion to Our Lady or, or adoration for our Lord? It's huge um, because, you know, as a convert to Catholicism, I can tell you that when I was church hopping, you know, I was going to different Catholic churches, seeing how they celebrated mass, seeing what they did. And sometimes, oftentimes, the experience was rather torturous to my senses. <laughs> it was just, wow, how many yeah. verses of this song are, is this person going to sing that can't sing? And, you know, I would say things sometimes and they would say, oh, no, St. Augustine said those who sing pray twice. And I'm like, huh. But then I actually learned something in seminary. The actual faithful translation of that is he said, those who sing well pray really? twice. It's not okay. those who sing. No, okay. it's those who sing well pray uh, twice. That's a huge difference, man. Because uh, yeah. I can, yeah, it is. even as a priest, right? Like when I'm celebrating a mass and the choir director or whoever is just taking us down 27 verses of some lame song, and I'm just forced to stand there with a book being tortured. Um, I prefer silence. Just say a silent mass. If if, if it's not going to be done well, yeah. just do it in silence, man. Right? We we oftentimes feel that we have to have constant noise. And that, in my opinion, is a way that the culture, you know, has crept into the church because what's wrong with silence? Mm. You know, a lot of times. I'll go somewhere and celebrate mass and some random person in the pew will just start singing after communion because they feel the silence is awkward. And they just, and I'm like, I was enjoying the silence. Are you mm. that uncomfortable with just sitting here for five minutes? Our Lord is inside of us. Let's just be with him, you know? So I love silence, but yes, music when it's done well can enhance can be a blessing can be something wonderful but it has to be done well and reverent of course not goofy stuff i wish there was a movement to expose more people to sacred music because uh i i just feel like uh, i'll take myself for example i was i all i've all of a sudden i got this one music director that was well versed in sacred music and i'm like wait what what you know, with each piece he'd introduce and, and develop with the choir and, you know, polyphony and all this stuff. And I'm going, really? You know, so it, I was astonished to discover it. And I just think that's where a lot of people are. They don't know any better right now. Right. I just wish yeah. there was a movement. It's astonishing, right. really, when you think about it. Why isn't there one in our church right, right now? Because I had to really kind of dig to, I remember it was uh, St. Mary's Seminary um, that they put together a scola. And oh my goodness, people look it up online. I think you can find pieces of it, but but it was stuff like that where you had to really kind of do a deep dive to find it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I would love to see if there's any listeners out there that wants to figure out a way to you know expose more people to this beautiful polyphony you know and and the sacred music that's out there. Uh, please do that. But I agree too because there's something stirring about that kind of music that again gets you to understand that is God on that altar, you know, because uh, our, we're mere mortals and beautiful churches and beautiful music and a reverent offering of the mass and those, you know, uh, servers that are like, you know, military honor guard and all that just helps our senses go, okay, yeah. that is God up there. And that true is sac there. And true sacred art Images sacred art. that just that move you when you walk in yeah. and you look at them and you think I should just be silent and absorb this beautiful piece of, of of imagery that is that is telling the story of something holy and sacred. It's just it's key. This stuff is key. You would wish with this Eucharistic revival what we all were just talking about right there. Yeah, that dude. was that's what they would focus on. That would yeah. be amazing because that then then again we're mere, we're merely humans. We're mere mortals. We need to get that hard heart softened to go, mm -hmm. you're amazing, God, yeah. you know, and uh, it's it just the experiment. I always put it this way. The experiment failed. The post-Vatican II experiment failed. And, and, and now people, especially young people who weren't indoctrinated during the 70s and 80s, are, are discovering these reverent offerings of the mass and 
sacred music and you know sacred architecture and things like that and and they're running to it they're running to it father yeah, you- i think you know, as you were saying that you know what it came to me i'm sure this has been said before but it's almost as though sacred music sacred art sacred architecture they're like sacramentals right because right. like, they're they're gateway to that open they us honor to the God. They honor- yeah. Yeah. yeah and dispose us to receiving grace and and when you yeah. have the opposite what what would the opposite of a sacramental be uh, an inhibitor i don't know but it, mm. it's something where you're just like uh stop singing or you know yeah. something or or uh this this is ugly it's not going to dispose you to want to you know exactly. enter in deeply into the sacrament that's going to give yep. you grace yeah. it's it you're going to want to run away from it. yeah it's like an obstacle yeah, an yeah. obstacle there you go yeah. right yeah. father what well, father before, uh, go well, ahead just, Doug, you real, yeah real quick i'm sorry i'm just curious father what your thoughts would be for the average um catholic myself i'm just an average layman out there what will we get from your book i mean this eucharistic revival book sounds amazing um, and again, information is in the write-up down below for people to to get access to to order it. What will we get? We'll have plenty of time for book? Christmas. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You can it it arrives in house um, next week and it ships the first week of December. So you can get it for yeah. Christmas. And on the website, you'll see you can order it right now. It's not a problem. So you're definitely going to really learn powerful gift. Yeah. You can order it right now. So 30 days. So it's a 30-day program. So it's it's some it's not just a book that you read, it's a book that you do. So it 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 unpacks the writings of St. Peter Julian Emard, praying alternating the days between the litany of the Holy Eucharist and the litany of the precious blood every day with meditations, little reflections that I offer. And you're going to learn about everything that we've been talking about, the importance of Our Lady in the Eucharist, confession in the Eucharist, reverence in the Eucharist, modesty in in, in the Eucharist, proper reception of Holy Communion. Um, I even bring up things like altar rails. Why don't we bring them back? You know, it was it was efficient. You know, all these kind of issues are in the book done well, you know. Um, It'll rattle some people, but that's okay. It's okay to be rattled because we need conversion. So um, that's what you're going to get. And you're going to learn about St. Peter Julian Mard big time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, we you don't move unless you're made uncomfortable. When you're sitting comfortable, you stay there. You made, yep. You're made uncomfortable. You kind of start moving and, and you, hopefully you start figuring things out. So, yeah. And yeah. I just want to say one last thing, too. I, I can't wait to get that book. But I love it when authors like yourself, and I've done it, too, with uh, journals and things. But when you offer things out on a, on a piecemeal day by day. Because you, you look at some books and it's like, oh boy, will I ever get to that? And then you don't end up opening it. <laughs> yeah, but when you yeah. piece it out in 30 days, it's bite-sized portions. That, and then you, you reflect on a piece each day. It's it's awesome. Yeah. So really, I can't wait to get my own copy. And, I, and let's send boxes and boxes to the USCCB, okay? I think that'd be a good okay. idea. <laughs> yeah, you can like it, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. But no, it's a it, please everyone c- consider it. And thank you yeah. so much, Father. This has been yeah, awesome. Awesome. And uh, let's let's pray. And Father, if you wouldn't mind offering a little a little prayer to close, but um, I think especially you know let's pray that there's a true Eucharistic revival in the land, right? Can you offer a prayer? To close? Yeah, let's do it, brothers. Right. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Mother Mary, Our Lady of Akita, we thank you for warning us as our dear mother. Help us to focus on the Eucharist, on confession, on the rosary, to change our own hearts so that we can respond to what it is that you are asking us, what it is that the Holy Trinity is asking us so that we can be renewed and wipe those tears from your motherly face, which we love so much. Mother Mary, always bring us closer to Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. And don't forget awesome. Chaste Heart of St. Joseph uh, for the kids, too. That that looks awesome, too. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's Great. on the same website. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Father. Thank you, Thanks Father. God bless, brothers.